The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett, here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your own recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner. Be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled uh, appropriately, A Fresh Start. Did you ever feel like life would be so much better if you could just have a do-over? Well, you can do just that. In fact, you can start over any time you decide. Our higher power gives us the ability to leave behind that which no longer serves us and move ahead with a clean slate. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on energizing your life with a fresh start. We want to share with you what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with some spiritual tools and principles that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in all of our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. So today we are talking about starting over and starting afresh, new beginnings. What was that like for you, Dan, or what was your experience with that? Well, you know, I I just heard you say, as we always do, that we talk about what we were like, what happened, and what we're like now. And so my mind goes back to the what we were like part, what I was like part, when when this new beginning that we call sobriety, when this new beginning was just happening. And, you know, the bottom line is the, the elephant in the room, if you will, is that I got to a point where I literally could not stop drinking. You know, I had I had uh, drank heavily for years, as we've talked about before, almost 30 years. I had sort of a slow burn progression, right? At some point in there, it became habitual. At some point in there, it became probably not a good thing. And then it became an addiction. You know, it just evolved and morphed slowly over time. But the end point was when I literally could not stop. I was drinking around the clock. And now, fortunately, I didn't do that for uh, even for months, let alone years. I did that for several weeks. 
at the very end, but it was it was really bad uh, when it was happening. I'm remembering uh, at one point that you know a physician would ask something like, you know, well, what time of day do you first take a drink? And my answer could be, you know, define day. Because <laughs> never mind whatever your definition of day is, it's within two hours of that point. <laughs> I, is it two in the morning, four in the morning? You know, every two hours, I'm I'm drinking more. Could not function. Couldn't go into work. You know, it was hor- It was horrifying and terrifying and embarrassing, and the sense of dread, you know, come over me because you know even my alcohol so brain knew this cannot go on. Yeah. You know, the, and but I couldn't stop. I literally hadn't I'd completely lost the power to choose even what portion of the day to drink too much in. You know, the, it was all gone. It was all completely gone. So in the beginning, when I think about starting over, um, moving from unmanageability to possibility, as we might say, or when we talk about step one, which is kind of where we're at with all of this, that's what comes leaping to mind is this sort of horrifying end Mm. to my drinking career. Yeah. Well, as you know, I, and I have, as I've shared on this program before, my experience was quite a bit different than that. I didn't get, you know, as far down the path, I didn't get to that point with my drinking, but boy, I certainly gotten to that point with other types of things, with other, uh, behaviors and, um, that, you know, frankly, are just as addictive, I think, as substances Absolutely. Um, in terms of just not being able to, you know, just like we say, doing the same thing over and over again, and having it come out the same way and having it just be a big mess. And uh, my experience was, you know, hitting my bottom, uh, really hitting my bottom with more of relationship issues, but it was so inextricably uh, intertwined with the alcohol, you know, that, that removing the alcohol was just the very beginning. And then, um, all of the other stuff, you know, so it was first, it was just stopping drinking, but then it was living a life without drinking. Right. So like so many people, you hear so many people say, you know, I came here to stop drinking or to stop gambling or whatever, but, but what I ended up learning was how to live without that thing so stopping and living without the thing are two totally different things and my experience was really just feeling like when I when I found uh when I got sober and I found the 12-step program that it was a total turnaround for me talk about a new beginning It, it was like I had been plucked off of this path that I was going down and placed on an entirely different path and I realize that sounds kind of strange as if something had plucked me off, but it sort of did feel that way. Like I, I didn't orchestrate any of this. How did this even happen? You know, but my life was going down one path and then it got, I got rerouted onto a different path and, and the different path no longer included alcohol, but more importantly included a spiritual dimension to life, which now is not a dimension is my whole life mostly. Uh, but that was the big change for me was, um, you know, going down a path of having no higher power, no spiritual life, no awareness, no self-awareness, no awareness around any of these things to, to getting on the path of 12 step recovery. And then around about a year sober finding unity, And so, boy, that's a huge life change. You know, my whole life completely did a 180. 
Um, and of course, I'm so grateful for that. It really is an entire change. Totally. You know, as I hear you describe that, I can, I, I love that image of, you may have used the word plucked, right? You're just, mm-hmm. you're going on your merry way. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, some mythical cosmic hand from the universe, whatever yeah. that might look like, picks you up and drops you like on Google map where you pick up the little dude, and drop him on the map somewhere. And I just imagine him going, ah, what just happened? Where I know. Am I? Where am I? You know, looking around in all of that. I, I can identify with that. I remember at that time also, ironically having no sense of purpose but then also a very clear singleness of purpose at the same time and all that was very confusing for me the no sense of purpose was my whole life was shaken up all all bets were off anything I had been doing was on hold and was not relevant yet all of a sudden um, dealing with this situation became a focus and that remained a focus like like you were just sharing a minute ago you started off in this one way then brought on this concept of spiritual living almost like in my case on the side like here's a tool i can use except that that tool became the very center of the way that i encounter the world now yeah absolutely. and that is a beautiful thing i think you called it and i would echo that Uh, you know many of us do uh, come into the program just to learn how to drink like normal people or to stop drinking yeah. to, to find out that that's just the beginning because yeah. while, while quitting's not easy quitting is easier than staying quit yeah. over years and weeks and time yeah I really love this whole topic of starting over and it's something that I learned about in recovery like I can remember people saying to me, you know, like if I was in a meeting whining about, you know, what a horrible day I'd had or, you know, whatever catastrophic thing I thought had happened to me. And, and some old timer would say, well, you can start over, just make a decision right now, start over. And I was like, what? You can do that? Like, I didn't even get that concept. Um, But I love, you know, we're talking about obviously a big starting over, but there are small starting overs that occur all the time or that can occur if we utilize that as a spiritual tool. You know, I'm having a crappy day. Things are not going the way I want them to. You know, I can either let it snowball, which it often sort of wants to do, right? I think my, uh, depression and anxiety get triggered and there can be a spiraling a snowballing effect that happens when like three or four things don't go my way that can quickly become like it's all going to hell in a handbasket you know that's a really good time for me to utilize this concept of starting over whoa I am going down the wrong path what can I do to stop and reset you know uh take some some slow deep breaths do some meditation get some exercise get some fresh air whatever i need to do to sort of uh you know what do you call it to to like nip that thing in the bud to just stop otherwise i will just continue to spiral sometimes i need a nap i get really overwhelmed and i just need to lie down for half an hour and take a little nap and start over and obviously Everyone can't always do that in their life. But, you know, this idea of being able to start over and reset, I think, has been a very useful one to me in my own recovery. 
Um, and it's a good reminder for me today. You know, it's the new year is a wonderful sort of exterior, you know, exteriorly provided new start. You see so many people trying to start new things around the new year. You know, my, my uh, social media feed is just filled with diet things and, you know, exercise programs and all of these things because it provides that sort of clean slate feeling for us, right? It's a new year. It's going to be fresh. I'm going to try something different. And that's wonderful. But the truth is we can do that anytime, right? We don't need, it doesn't need to be a new year. Um, New beginnings are, you know, the first day of the month, the first day of the year, first day after our birthday, those are, those can be, it can be a helpful sort of impetus to want to make those changes, but really we can create that for ourselves anytime. Yeah, those things in, you know, in a broader sense, they're arbitrary anyway. You know, we decided what a year was called and we decided when the first of the year was. And and there's nothing, you know, written in, in the, uh, you know, the core of physical reality. We just decided. And by that, in that exact same way, just like you're saying, we can decide at any moment that this is a new beginning. Not just because we use a calendar that would seem to indicate it or, or what have you, you know, every morning or um, like you said, something you're in my day is not going right. Some, you know, horrible thing like they forgot to put my fries in my bag and I drove away from the window already. Oh, that's bad. (laughs) That is like, how can you do that to somebody? You know, that's how horrible that is. (laughs) But that's ridiculous. In the scheme of things, um, I could choose that moment to start over and like, you know what? And, and I'm remembering a saying that I've heard many, many times that has really stuck with me. And it's absolutely true. My worst, my worst day sober is better than my best day drunk. Mm, absolutely. Yes. By far, completely different category. It doesn't matter what happens to me now. If I am sober, all is well. Mm-hmm. And I, you know... Yeah, worst day sober, better than the best day drunk. Something else I remember about unmanageability early on is the you know shocking level of self-deception that I was experiencing. And again, uh, clearly this is something I could not see at the time. That's why it's self-deception, but began to see after. And one, one of the things, one of the ways it was really put in front of me is I had begun drinking a, a lot, you know, even for me, a lot like a shockingly large amount that people, if I, if they knew, they'd be like, how are you still alive? Yeah. Right. You know, people that were going to fall off, fall off the bar stool after two shots of tequila. And, you know, I've had three times that, and it looks like I've had nothing yeah. that kind of, you know, we develop a tolerance over time. So I remember thinking, well, you know, I drink a lot, but you know, I don't think I need to go to detox. Training. It's not that bad. Right. Yeah. Cause I'd had a, um, an in-law who had experiences with addiction and recovery. So I knew what detox was and all that. Um, and so I'd shared before, I didn't know what to do. And so um, my spouse helped me by asking around and finding like, what do you do? Who can we talk to? How does this work? And we discovered some wonderful people that did know. And there was sort of like an initial interview. And one of the interview questions was, you know, we were talking about detox and I'm sitting there saying, yeah, I don't really, you know, it's not that bad. I don't really think I need to go to detox. 
she's like, well, how much are you drinking? And I told her and the next words out of her mouth were, you need to go to detox. Like, this is not, you're not on the line. You're way over the line. You can't even see the line. (laughs) There is no question about it. You absolutely, literally for your health, because if you quit, if you drink as much as I was and you just stop, you can literally die of a heart attack within a few days. Blood pressure can shoot way high. Anyway, I didn't know So it needs to be done under medical guidance. Yeah, I've learned exactly, which is why you do it in a hospital where you can be monitored and tapered down. You know, they use some benzo, whatever. I don't, I never got into those kind of drugs, but they use some, you know, that kind of thing to taper you off over four or five days so that you don't keel over from a heart attack. But anyway, the level of self-deception quite high, you know, clearly I had no real concept of where I fit into dysfunction in the scheme of things, I was way, way, way over the line. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I'm a guy, maybe, yeah, I know. I, okay, I drink too much. I get it. No, yeah. no, that's a, that's the understatement of the century right there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, even though I didn't have that experience with alcohol per se, of having gotten that far down the line, you know, the level of denial that functions in us, you know, it functions for other things as well. And, you know, what my, my bigger issue was other types of behaviors that I did around addictive relationships and, you know, putting myself into dangerous situations and things like that. And um, it's kind of the same thing. Like I was in denial about um, my behavior and the level of danger I was putting myself into and, um, you know, things like that. And so it, it's, it, I'm starting, I'm thinking about this whole process of whatever the behavior is, if it's, you know, an, an actual behavior or an, a substance or, you know, gambling or codependence or whatever the thing is, um, the whole idea of the 12 step program is we get to a point where we just can't do it anymore, you know, and it usually, that's the point that it takes, you know, there's a, there's a bottom that we, that we reach, um, which may be around, you know, something chemical, or it may just like, I hit a relationship bottom. Like I can remember being on the floor, just sobbing my eyes out and telling my sponsor, like, I cannot do this anymore, you know? And that was that, like, I might've been a year or two sober when that happened. Relationship stuff took me down lower than alcohol ever did. Um, and so they're, they're, there's that unmanageability and thank God that we hit that point. You know, everybody's point is different and everybody's threshold and tolerance for these things is different, but there comes a point at which it's unmanageable and there's a surrender that happens. Right. Yeah. And it's not a very fun place to be, but surrender is a beautiful, beautiful thing. You know, it's that point at which we say to our sponsor, to God, to our spouse, to whoever it is, I cannot do this anymore. And that's the new beginning, right? Yeah. That's when the new beginning opens up because something has given way in us that we finally are willing to admit that this is so unmanageable that we are powerless over this thing. Um, And that's when, that's when new possibilities and new beginnings open up. And so 
it's a place of, I think of, I love surrender as a topic. I love talking about it. Um, it can be a painful and broken down place, but it is also in that moment of being so broken down that we surrender. That's when grace steps in, right? That's when that this beautiful thing happens where the higher power says, okay, finally, I've been here waiting for you to, to give it up. Let me act in your life, you know, and, and I don't necessarily mean, you know, that an, and an external entity of God, you know, sort of acts upon us, but there's a higher self in us um, that says, you know, the ego self is out of control. Let me take over. Let me come in and start to see if I can manage things better. And that is that moment of grace when our lives change, really can change. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the idea we use that phrase, let we let go of that, which no longer serves us as if it's going to be a joyous thing. And we're only getting rid of stuff we don't like, but in reality, it's a, in my experience, it's a real mixed bag. Like think I could have a thing that I want to get rid of that doesn't serve me that I really, really like, and that I'm going to miss and that I'm not happy about it going, you know, and addiction is a great example of that. Uh, Nothing, things are not often so, um, you know, binary, black and white, crystal clear, this or that. It's not like, yes, I would like to get, I want to, I'm going to leave behind the tacks that are inside my shoe. Okay, that's easy. I don't want those in my shoe. I get rid of them, I'm better off. Well, I'm going to leave behind an old friend an abusive partner in a relationship, whether that partner is literally a person or a way of being in relationships or a substance like alcohol. I mean, there's a grief process. I'm sorry, you don't quit drinking at the level I was drinking and not have a significant experience of grief over time for the loss of that way of being comfortable in the world. It's not all rainbows and unicorns, but it's still the very best thing to do it, it it just is but it doesn't mean that it's always joyous Mm-mm. you know and i'm thinking starting over can be very simple little i had to start you know and i still do i was going to say i had to but i still do need to do this remember that you know a clean slate can just mean doing something different in my morning routine right, right? it could be i'm going to stand outside on the back porch and look up at the sky for 60 seconds, which I don't normally do right there. That can be enough. I'm going to drive a different way to work. I mean, Mm -hmm. a slightly different way. So what if it takes a few more minutes? I'm just literally going to go down a road. I wouldn't normally go down for no, for no reason other than to shake things up. So starting over can be as simple as driving a different path to work. It doesn't have to be a cataclysmic thing. I like that you said that because as addicts of all varieties, we tend to be very dramatic, right? We like the big changes. (laughs) That's why you see all these people in the gyms the first week of January, you know, we, we get dramatic about things and um, 
try to make these big, huge changes, which can be good, but often are not sustainable. So I love that you talked about small changes because, you know, especially if we have some sobriety under our belt, you know, the the changes aren't going to be as big and cataclysmic. And sometimes thinking that it has to be this big, huge thing is what keeps me from making the change at all. So I love that you said that, you know, making a small change in our life, um, especially, you know, I tend to get really, really overwhelmed by the idea of making these big changes. Like I'm looking around my office right now, just looking at this mess. And it's like, how can I ever, ever get out from under this? And so I just don't do anything. So I just get paralyzed because it seems too big. You know, this could be anything. It could be losing weight or getting into an exercise program or quitting a bad habit or, you know, anything. If You know, I can get very paralyzed by thinking that it has to be this big, huge change. But you just reminded me that making small, sustainable changes can be very powerful, especially, like I say, if they're sustainable. You know, like if it's like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to start I'm going to start working out. I'm going to stop. I'm going to start eating healthy. I'm going to do all these changes. What happens? Where what, what do those gyms look like by the last week of January? They're empty, right? Because people go overboard and get too, you know, they're trying to do too much too fast. But I always tell people, and I'm appreciating this reminder for myself, that small changes can lead to big things. You know, small changes can be very powerful because they are sustainable. Just doing something. No, no, no. Just doing one small thing different. That's Mm -hmm. jumping into my head because we just did this around the house so we have a junk drawer in the kitchen i think everyone has a packet drawer junk drawer whatever. <laughs> I have a junk house but okay <laughs> you know and it starts off with useful stuff in it then it turns into a junk drawer then it turns yeah. into a crap drawer and at some point a couple of weeks ago i'm like this thing is ridiculous and i sort of put it on my mental list yeah. here's what we did i literally took the thing out dumped it on the kitchen table <laughs> yeah. You know, and it feels overwhelming, but when I remembered that I had to do, I cannot deal with all this crap at once. There's so much, so many kinds of junk in here that don't need to be here. Where do I begin? The first thing that I did was I started finding every soy sauce packet because it's nice to have a couple in case they forget. Oh my God, we had like 53 of them or something. It's like, this is way too much. And then, well, how many soy sauce packets does a packet drawer need i'm like i don't think i've pulled more than two out of there so we'll go with a dozen a dozen has to be more than enough and it's it's way and then i moved on to the next thing and why do we even have any hair ties in here we don't need that's just not where hair (laughs) you've got girls in your house yeah you know and just sort of you move to the next thing like oh i have chopsticks too i had a massive piled chopsticks just in case you know so i don't run out right it was ridiculous but the the simple thing was just dumping it over and then pick one thing i can't pick soy sauce that's where i'm starting and it works you know just literally just one thing at a time one simple thing at a time but we're going to hold that thought because it's time for a short break and when we come back we'll continue the conversation we hope that you'll stay with us
Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Yes, welcome back. We're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. Yes, well, today we are talking about starting over and fresh beginnings, and it's a wonderful time of the year to be talking about that. Maybe some of you are experiencing a fresh start or or trying to make some big change in your life, and we hope that something we share with you today will be helpful to you in your own recovery. We were talking about Big changes, big starting over, and also very small, sustainable changes. And um, sometimes they are equally challenging in different ways. But we we talked about uh, surrender and how there comes a point at which whatever we're doing, whether it's the junk drawer or it's our relationship patterns or it's our drinking, there, there's like a bottom that gets hit where, you know, I cannot do this anymore. And some, sometimes it takes me a long time to get to that bottom, Yeah, you know, and I guess that's okay. Whatever it is, you know, whatever it takes. Um, but boy, is it a beautiful thing when you do hit that bottom and there's a surrendering. Because as we were talking about, that's, that, that point of surrender is the point at which we open ourselves up to something greater assisting us. Whether we think of that as a higher power, uh, the universe, life, you know, divine mind, our higher self. I, the point is, for me, it's, it's getting out of the ego material self, which is always trying to run the show at all times. It's, it's the point at which the ego self, and the ego self does not like to give up, right? Because it's an ego self. That's the whole thing about it. And uh, mine is particularly strong. Maybe you have that experience. <laughs> but when it does finally get a glimpse of the concept that what it's doing is not working, boy, that's that moment of opportunity you know, when the higher self, when the higher power can step in and go, I have a better way, let's try my way, you know, and I really think of that as a moment of grace. Um, the moments in my life when I have literally been on my knees uh, have been moments of grace in my life because it was when something new could happen, something, some something, a, a power that wasn't my ego Michelle material self could have a chance to have some influence. And that is when um, I've been able to have, you know, big shifts, really big shifts in my life. And of course, the biggest one was, you know, the very beginning for me of the recovery journey, which was having a higher power 
the concept of a higher power at all. That was so huge for me. But you know what? I can totally forget in any moment that I have a higher power and my ego self will happily take it all back and start running the show again. Um, And this is why this concept of starting over is so wonderful. Um, Not just, you know, around New Year's, but anytime when we realize that when I realize that I'm off on the wrong path, that my ego has been running the show that I'm just, I'm back into what we like to call stinking thinking. And it doesn't have to be about alcohol for me. It can just be thinking that I know what's what, you know? Um, and, and then there's a, there's a moment there's hitting that wall of like, okay, this is really not working. And there's a surrender. And then there's a beginning again, and there's an allowing, allowing God, higher power, my higher self to, to show to 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 get back in the driver's seat you know I, I love that verse in the bible that get thee behind me I always think of that as um as my higher self talking to my ego self telling my ego self get behind me get in the back seat you don't have to get out of the car altogether you serve a purpose but get behind me because right now you're driving the thing and it's not going well so get behind. You can give me your suggestions now and then, but I'm going to drive. The higher self is going to drive. And I don't know. That's just kind of the way I think of this whole surrender and beginning again thing. Yeah, I love that image. I'm going to keep that one in my head. That's a good way of looking <laughs> at it. Get get behind me. And uh, right. You can pretend a backseat drive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> your driving days over. Except when, like you just said, I undo it all. you know open the door grab my higher self toss it to the curb jump back in start driving again yeah it would seem you know one thing that's helped me um to start over to kind of stay in that mindset of um new direction if you will is to keep you know whatever it is that's going on keep it right here and now i mean it sounds so simple but for a complicated minds like we have uh, we humans have you know my mind is forever uh, it's usually in the future it's not usually in the past I think we all have different habits around that um, it's not often right here and right now in this moment now that does happen every day and throughout every day but that's not you know I can't say that's where I live from I revisit it constantly but I don't live from that place. So I need to remember to whatever I'm doing to keep it right here and right now. Uh, For example, I have an old uh, habit of mind, you know, an unskillful use of mind of making things bigger than they need to be or uh, seeing that they're bigger or overcomplicating things. Now, sometimes things do require, uh, you know, a sophisticated approach or a multi-step approach or whatever. But a lot of the times things are very simple and they don't need um, to be more complicated than that. And I apparently have a hard time telling the difference uh, between when would a simple change work and when does it actually merit something more complex. And I will do things, and I've, I've actually gotten good about not doing this anymore. This one I've left behind. But like your example of it's New Year's Day and I'm going to join the gym. Like I'll do a thing and I'll think, 
this felt great you know like a new thing maybe maybe it is go to the gym i'll just make that up because i don't go to the gym but if i did <laughs> go to the gym i would what i would say to myself was that was awesome i'm going to go to the gym every day yeah. now for the rest of my life and when my mind says things to me like that i just laugh and i, I literally reply to myself no you're not that's a good one <laughs> no, no i'm not and i don't need to yeah. yeah, it's not a it's not a put down. It's just a coming back to here and now. Yeah. I don't need to, um, you know, establish and announce a grand plan that's all about what I'm going to do later. Yeah. Forget about that. No, yeah. I'm not going to the gym every day. I don't need to go to the gym every day. What I need to do is be right here, right now. Be here now, as Ram yeah. Dass said. That's all I really need to do. And the gym will happen when the gym needs to happen. I don't need <laughs> to make big proclamations, you know, and right. these big, bold, uh, I don't even know what else to call them. Maybe you can think of a better word, you know, pronouncements, grand pronouncements or something. Send out a press release. <laughs> I, just, I just need to keep it right here and right we now. We do like the drama, don't we? Well, there. that's, yeah, we can have a whole show about that, yeah. <laughs> Well, I love that reminder about, you know, all I need to do is be here now. And sometimes that's the hardest thing for us to do, right? It's just be here now. And that's why we spend so much time in the past or in the future. It's challenging. So what that made me think of is, of course, got to have my little plug for meditation because um, meditation is where we get to practice that. And I say practice because it's always going to be a practice. You know, we are never going to get like awesome at being in the present moment. That's just not, it's not human nature. I mean, even the Dalai Lama has to practice being in the present moment. It's, um, you know, it's just, it's totally natural for us. That doesn't mean that, you know, we don't want to work on it. We do. But this idea that I'm going to, you know, just blissfully live in the present moment well that's enlightenment and probably not going to happen to me in this lifetime I'm not sure about you but but the reason I say that is because so many people you know this is a new year maybe some of you have the intention to start meditating this year and so many people want to start meditating and they they try to do it and their mind is bouncing all around and they go, well, this isn't for me. It's just not going to, you know, I can't, I can't meditate. I hear that a lot. I can't meditate. I sit down to meditate and my, my mind is all over the place, but that's what's supposed to happen. Even the Dalai Lama, when he sits down to meditate, his mind is all over the place. That's human nature. That's the deal. So, so, you know, it's like, we think that if we can't do a thing perfectly, why do it at all? But I'm here to tell you that that is a good excuse to never meditate ever in your life. And meditation has so much to offer you. And you do not have to be a woo-woo, new age guru, sitting in lotus position, oming out. That's not what meditation has to be about. It can be a very simple thing that doesn't have to take loads and loads of time. I began with a five-minute-a-day practice and uh, sometimes that's all I do is five minutes a day. Sometimes I do more. But my commitment to myself is five minutes a day. And uh, that has worked for me for probably maybe five, six years now. 
And it's not about sitting there and getting this blissful blank mind. You know, every now and then I get glimpses of that and it's wonderful, but meditation is a practice. So we sit in meditation, the mind goes all over the place. We have that moment of realizing that our mind is all over the place. We come back to whatever it is, the breath or whatever we're using as our anchor. So we're talking about beginning again today. That's what meditation is, beginning again, over Over and and over over and over and over. And it doesn't mean that you failed. It means that you succeeded. If you had to begin again 25 times in a five-minute meditation, that's success. Because it turns out that what we're doing is we're practicing for real life. You know, we're, pra- we're in our meditation, we're practicing for our non-meditative life. We're practicing starting over in any moment, anytime we're off on the wrong path or, you know, our day is not going right or we've, our ego has taken the reins again or whatever it is, we start over again and again and again and again and again. This is life. This is the practice of life. I, I that is I feel that that is so important. I'm going to reiterate. I'm going to say okay. what you said because it's that important. And as you pointed out, uh, and I've had this experience. It's very easy for me to misunderstand what it is that that meditation is. It's it's deceptively simple, and it's difficult because it's simple. And I have a mind, yep. like I just talked about, that wants to make things complicated. complicated. Yep. And so the way I've I've learned to express it is just like you said, we you know sit in a quiet place, we turn our attention focus within. I use my breath, mm-hmm. but you can use an, another focus point, a, a, a mantra or an image or whatever. But find something that works for you and watch that thing you know notice the breath and then what happens my mind wanders away for how long i have no idea it could be a short time it could be a long time and then what happens next is i realize that my mind has wandered away and when i realize that my mind has wandered i bring my attention back to my breath that is the practice the last thing that i said is the practice bringing my attention back to my breath is the practice. The practice is not having a blank mind. The practice is not minimizing how many times or how far and wide my mind wanders. That's completely irrelevant. The practice is when I notice, bring my attention back. That's it. That's That's everything. That's the whole deal. Too simple. (laughs) Not the practice. Well, what about my little starting bell? I've got all that stuff. I've got incense. I've got a starting bell. I have a magic bench. You know, I have all this stuff and that's fine as long yeah. as it supports the actual practice. Yeah. It, but it's none of that is the practice and none of it's necessary, though any of it may be helpful. Yeah. Nothing wrong with any of it as long as it's mm-hmm. supporting my practice, not distracting me from or being mistaken for the practice. The practice isn't an altar with incense on it and a special mat and or a pillow or a bench. Although all those things can support the practice. The practice is returning my attention when I notice that it's wandered. That's it. Yep. It's taken me forever. I know. Wrap my head around. (laughs) I know it's too simple. It's it's so ridiculous in a way how long it has taken me to realize that yes, that really is all that it is. Yeah, I don't so, know how I, we got so confused about meditation in this culture. I know because it's it's too simple. It's almost. too that simple. Can't be it. And it's not what it looks like. That's the other thing. You walk into a room of people meditating. What does it look like? Oh, everyone's in nirvana. 
Why? Yeah. Because they're sitting silently. And so I'm projecting yeah. onto them and saying, oh, well, their inner experience must match their outer. Oh, it's no, no. No. It's not what's going on. Just ask them. Yeah. What's going on is their mind is everywhere and all these emotions and I'm no good. They might be thinking I'm no good at this and I can't, my mind can't be focused, like you said. So therefore I I'm, can't do this. Yeah. Hey man, that's just a trick to keep you not doing it. Exactly. Oh, yep. We make yeah. it more complicated keep than it needs it to be. Simple. Keep it simple. The ego doesn't like it's simple things no. for some reason. It just I really wants right. to make everything complicated. I think it can be, I think, you know, meditation did come from the East. It is an Eastern concept. Not that Christians haven't, you know, practiced their own form of contemplative practice for thousands right. of years. That's right. But I think it can be very difficult for the Western mind, you know, so I'm sure it's difficult for everyone. Meditation is difficult for everyone, period. But especially coming from a Western mindset of productivity, and I I don't feel like I'm doing anything, so this is wasted time. You know, meditation is the beginning of cracking all of that open, you know, which is wonderful for us Westerners. We need to have that cracked open. We are not meant to be little productive machines 24-7. You know, we can do things that are very deeply beneficial that don't feel like being productive and meditation is one of them it's 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 so simple that it just throws us for a loop but I love there's various folks that I listen to um one of them is Tara Brock who's a you know everybody in unity seems to love her she was she sort of taught me to meditate by listening to her videos I also love Sharon Salzberg and she she keeps it so simple. If you want to learn to meditate, go on YouTube and look up Sharon Salzberg. And, you know, she says that in that moment, you know, when your mind is bouncing around, there's a moment where you realize your mind is bouncing around. That's the magic moment, she says. That's the moment when we do the practice. And the practice, as you said, is coming back to the breath or coming back to the present moment. Not only that, though, In that moment is when, and she says, we have an opportunity to be kind to ourselves in the process. This is what's so transformative about it. Instead of going, oh, God, Michelle, you blew it. Look, your mind's bouncing around. No, that's when we say, oh, look, I'm human. This is what the human mind does. It's okay. Forgive ourselves. We let go. We we bring ourselves back into the present moment with kindness, kindness towards ourselves. Because again, that Western mindset wants to beat ourselves up. I'm not doing it right. I'm not doing it good enough. You know, whatever. It's all a load of baloney. We, we have an opportunity to be kind to ourselves. And, and that kindness and compassion that we offer to ourselves, to our own busy monkey minds, we offer it compassion that is what's so transformative, I think, about meditation. I agree. Thumbs up, gold star, everything you <laughs> said. I'm not actually going to say it again this time, but man, I'm with you 100% and with Sharon Salzberg as yeah, well. Yeah, she's the bomb. That you said. It, it, at its core, it really is very, very simple, but it's not easy to do, right? It's not easy to do. I've heard that that part about the compassion expressed as simply as, you know, if your mind wanders or when you notice that your mind has wandered, simply return your attention to your breath, 
without judgment. Just those two words meant to be a reminder, you know, and encapsulate things. But my mind, you know, will say things like, well, at least I don't judge others, you know, not like some people I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's how ridiculous my mind can be, is it will do things like that. Yeah. You know? Yep. Like, oh man, look how unconscious that guy is. What a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> or look at me meditating. I'm so spiritual. Oh God. It's, 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 yeah, it's <laughs> ridiculous. It's laughable when I can get to the point of seeing it more for what it is. It truly is laughable. And we do have to laugh at ourselves too. And that oh, reminds yes. me of another thing that's wonderful about uh, recovery communities in my experience is there's a lot of laughing and loving support and you know it's just so much humanity packed in that room just telling the truth the best we can you know some we're still performing to some extent just depending on what day who it is and what day you catch me or or whatever but there's just so much humanity and and a real opportunity for humility i've never been in any context where people were telling the simple truth as much as they do in recovery, in fact, not even close as in a recovery community. People will sit there and share the most embarrassing things that they've done. And I've learned to do the same thing. And, and we all laugh about it because we're, it, because, because I was so it's funny as heck. <laughs> I know. It's like, yeah, I can't even believe I did that. I told him once I said, you know, uh, my drinking got so bad, even I knew that I had a problem and everyone laughs, right? Because <laughs> I'm always the last to know. know. And you know that. And it's so, it's so crazy. It's so upside down and backwards. It's just, it really is insane. You know, the steps talks about returning to sanity. I didn't understand that for a long time because I didn't think of myself as having a mind that in, you know, insanity would have been any descriptor of, Oh, that changed. I get it now. I really do. I really do get it. And, and I understand that way of describing it. And I'm, you know, I'm down with that. Yeah, insanity is when the ego self is totally in control and the higher self is nowhere on board, right? That's insanity. Because the ego self will just do all kinds of crazy things. And it has. Oh, and I'm sure it, it will, too. Never never mean to imply that this is over. All the things that I've learned, I am still learning and relearning, you know, Absolutely. over and over again. Like humility. <laughs> right. Well, hey, man, I mean, I'm really good at humility, right? If we had a humility <laughs> context, I would kill, kick all y'all's butt. Because <laughs> when it comes to humility, I am the greatest. I know more about humility than anyone. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we've said a whole lot about this topic. And look at us laughing at ourselves even more. But let's step back if we can and find a simple way maybe to sum up or remind ourselves of some things we've touched on uh so reverend michelle if some came, if someone came to you maybe outside a meeting and asked what does surrender have to do with anything anyway what might you share with them about that i would say that surrender surrender is the moment of grace in which something spiritual can happen because it's the moment at which the ego self gives up for the for the fraction of a second says i can't do this and that's the moment of of magic where there's room for god there's room for spirit there's room for the higher mind to come in and 
start to have some influence from that ego self, you know, that's just completely run amok. So surrender can feel like a failing, but think of it as a failing of the ego self. And we don't want the ego self to win because it's not not got the right agenda you know we want the higher self we want the god self our divine selves to win so even though surrender can feel really defeating it's not it's a moment of victory of the higher self over that ego self so just think of it like that as a moment of grace when something new can come in and begin yeah it's like a turning point it's like the inauguration of a new beginning right we're talking about new beginnings and starting over for me it means that it's an opportunity for me to stop beating my head against the wall you know keeping doing something that's not working getting angry that's not working then doing it more thinking that it might work now another way a saying that i've heard that i found helpful is is if i'm a hammer everything's a nail Mm. right and and if i want to stop having that point of view i i need something needs to change i need to give it up I need to let go of the idea that I'm a hammer and I know what I know everything that's going on and what I see is reality. What everyone else sees is their delusions, yeah. right? And I just need to let go of all that. Yeah. Or if you're in a hole, stop digging. That's another yes. surrender is to stop digging, you know, when yeah. I'm in a hole. Yep. Well, we have an affirmation that covers just this concept. And our affirmation today is this. Surrendering to the wisdom of my higher power, I can begin again in any moment. Love the in any moment. Surrendering to the wisdom of my higher power, I can begin again in any moment. Amen to that. Yes. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery, and we're grateful that you have, especially if you think of it that way. We hope you found something in all of our babbling today that will be genuinely helpful to you in your own recovery. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, as always, for our discussion. And thank you to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. And listeners, if you'd like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page throughout the week. It's Spirit of Recovery. Go ahead and drop us your thoughts and feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. But until then, don't drink like my co-host. And whatever you do, don't drink like my (laughs) co-host. Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. 
On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.